It's interesting, when I put together uh, with Justin this series on the Holy Spirit, we were motivated by um, the reality that uh, uh, as we've journeyed in our mosaic journey, that um, uh, some of us have come from Pentecostal charismatic backgrounds where we've kind of uh, would call ourselves post those things. And, and you tend to, when you're a poster and you've kind of moved on, from something you, um, some things you leave behind because they were the things that you didn't like or the things that you questioned or things that you didn't really um, uh, want to come into the, the new journey that you're on and living this life of following Jesus. Um, and we realized that as a movement, as a, a community of Mosaic, that we really haven't had a really good conversation about the Holy Spirit as part of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit triune God that we worship and we follow. So that's, uh, well, let's, let's take a fresh look at that. When we wrote up the list um, uh, of the different things we wanted to cover, um, in the back of my mind, the idea of talking about grieving the Holy Spirit um, was something that we think, let's see if we can find somebody that, outside of us who can come and talk about that. And as I went and talked to different people about um, We've invited some guests to come in and to share, and I've asked them, um, you know, would you like to do this one? Uh, have you got another topic? And I found no one wanted to do this topic. So I asked Justin to do it, and he goes, so uh, here I am sitting on the stool um, tonight um, talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. It's been a really interesting journey. Um, I had, I thought, I had a pretty clear idea what this was about and why it was a tough subject to, um, to talk about. But um, I have completely been um, transformed. Uh, it's not what I thought it was. And I'll explain that a little bit to you uh, as we go along. But um, I'm glad I went on this journey and I'm hoping I can share some of the, the, the challenge and the joy that I have discovered and have entered into looking closely at the subject of grieving the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? That's probably the question that I started with. And uh, um, When I was uh, dragged up through church as a kid, um, this topic was talked about a few times and left a lasting impression on me. That's guess what I was carrying as my, if you like, starting point. You know, that thing that you get scripted into as a kid. It's hard to shake them off. And I didn't realize, but it was acting on me. And, and as I began to look at this, I realized what was acting on me. It was this, such ideas that were planted in my innocent head as a child that um, if you grieve God, he's going to get you. And it was founded on things like um, in Isaiah where it says, But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore he turned himself to become their enemy and he fought against them. And I can remember in my Sunday school class doing this as one of those memory verses and the Sunday school teacher saying, Do you know what this means? If you grieve the Holy Spirit, God's going to get you. He will become your enemy. And then kind of as the time went on, other things like in Thessalonians, which do not quench the Holy Spirit. And the preacher was saying, if you quench the Holy Spirit, you'll have nothing. You'll be like someone in a dry land where there's no water, and you'll die of thirst. And then 
I've heard people link Jesus' words to the Pharisees in his early ministries where when they were criticizing him and because of their jealousy and of their envy and their hatred in the end of him, and they were criticizing him, saying, ha, you do these miracles and you've got all the society teachers because you're of Satan and the demons are helping you to do this. And Jesus quietly says to them, hang on, you're overstepping a line here and I've got to warn you. But one thing, when you're criticizing me as the son of man, because you're getting to know me and you still need to judge whether I am who I am. But when you start saying the things that the Holy Spirit is doing in your midst, and you know it, but you're rejecting it because of your hatred and because of your enemy, you need to know there's no coming back from that. And he called that the unforgivable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so I remember this preacher when I was a kid saying, Grieving the Holy Spirit is like that. So you can imagine how that left me feeling, you know, in the back of my subconscious, and you know, it all got piled on to the whole reason I rejected Christianity as a teenager, because, I mean, who, who wants to follow a God who you upset him, and he's going to get you? He's going to become his, your enemy, and he's going to fight you. I mean, it's a fight we can't win. I mean, what kind of a God is he that he does that? So, I found out these last few weeks that's wrong. It's not what it means. So I hope you can relax about that. I want to try and tell you, try and see if I can paint a picture and tell some stories that kind of uh, helped draw us into what Paul was getting at in um, Ephesians uh, four thirty, where he writes writes that. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I remember um, in, uh, a time when I was uh, working with at-risk teenagers and Youth for Christ. Um, it was really, really hard work, particularly in the beginning when it was really uh, just jumped in the deep end and kind of got all these troubled boys from around the Hutt Valley to a camp at Christmas time. And then we promised them that there will be a club that they can join. Um, in those days, we called it Breakaway. It ended up being called Tihoraho. But uh, the, there was this club you could join. It's the coolest club you could ever want to be a part of. And then one of the things we did is broke boys up into small groups of six. And each adult leader was sort of the leader for the year. I had a group of pretty tough boys. And I really, really tried to win them over, tried to get down with them, tried to get them to accept me, trying to become a small group where they kind of loved their leader and wanted to hang out with them. Uh, it just never happened. Now, one August uh, holidays, um, I got a phone call from one of the boys um, saying, they're all teenagers now, that's third and fourth formers, fifth formers, uh, saying, hey, there's a movie on in town we're organizing that our whole small group can go to the movies and we want you to come with us. I'm going, yes. Breakthrough, I've made it, you know, sort of, I, I, they've accepted me as their leader. So, yep, I said, cool. And they said, can you pick us up in the van and take us in town? Yes, yeah, sure. So, you know, hop in the van, go and pick them all up. We sit down in the picture theater, they're all sitting around me and, you know, I thought, this is really great. You know, we're bonding, we're kind of becoming a group at last. The lights went off, 
And I'm sitting there waiting for the movie to come on. I looked around and there was no boys sitting around me. They had all kind of moved off to their mates that were there. And I was sitting there going, damn. They just need to ride into town and they con me. Uh, and, um, and so I left the picture there and went home. They can find their own way home. But you know, the, the sadness that I felt and the grief that I felt and the humiliation that I felt through that, you know, it's kind of driving home, fuming in myself, thinking, you know, sort of, how dare they, you know, and, um, and all those kind of self-pity, kind of embarrassing, embarrassment, um, hurt feelings, being offended, and, and it was just like, I, was, I think it was the Holy Spirit having a conversation with me. Um, at the time, I would have thought I'd have a conversation with myself, but there was too much insight coming for me to have a conversation with myself because I'm not that smart. But it was, there was this voice that was just saying to me, um, what else do you expect? That's who they are. And the reason that you're grieved and the reason why hurt, your feelings are hurt is to do with your own ego. It's not to do with something really unjust that has happened to you. And by the time I got home, I really had got over being used by them. I'd re I, I really you know, um, uh, was not in that sense. I was aggrieved because initially what happened, but at the end, the, the feeling grieved was gone. And I understood what it was, as who they are. It was the nature of these guys that we were wanting to minister to and transformation into the kind of people that they could be hadn't even begun. They were just going on instinct. So I compared that story to this one. Same period of time. Um, I had knitted together a really, really super group of volunteer workers and as we were um, working with these troubled teenagers. And uh, for my strength, for those of you who, who know me, is that I kind of, I win people over through relationships and I kind of get into a deep, it's part of my strength finders thing. I'm a relator. I make friends with people, and instead of making more and more friends, I kind of sit with this group of people and go deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and I've done this, I was sort of two years in relationship with this group of volunteer workers, and we'd really knitted together really well. And there was a bond, and there was a connectedness, and a real belonging, and a sense of vision and going together. Just coming up to one Christmas, there was a bit of. Um, kind of miscommunication, a bit of breakdown in our organization. This was in the days before cell phones. So um, when you're sitting on the side of the road waiting to be picked up in a van and it doesn't come for two hours and you're nowhere near a phone box, you know what they are? Um, uh, and, and then they turn up and they go, oh, I ran out of petrol, then I got a flat tire, you know, and you, know, and you, you just, <sighs> you need to be more organized than that. So there's, it's a little bit of friction there. And um, in that moment of friction, someone says, ah, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll call him Jade. Uh, Jade's, he's not coming tonight. I said, why not? He said, I can't tell you. So I went to see him and the next, next weekend. And at there was this kind of cesspool of anger and frustration broken out. But what I discovered was that he had told, had been having a conversation for some months with everybody about how useless I am and how disappointing I am 
and how I, you know, sort of not giving them a chance to grow and to develop. And uh, I was so, so sad that Jade would have this conversation with others and not with me. Because I thought we had something to be, I was particularly vulnerable to him. I had shared some of the weakest moments of my journey in this ministry with him. He knew where I was failing. And instead of being my support and my confidant and my helper, he used that as a way of basically initially began, initiated a moving me out of the job and one of the other three, and he was one of them, should take over the role that I was doing. And I was so sad. And the grief was overwhelming. And the agony that, and the anguish that came with that was unreconcilable, could not recover from it. I know you may have experienced that yourselves. When I look at those two stories, I see, you know, the first group, you know, used me, but I was able to walk away from that, and it was okay. The second group, uh, it broke me. I was undone. Because the pain, the suffering, and the sorrow, and the grief was unbearable. Because there was trust. Because there was... Uh, an understanding of loving each other, an understanding of being for one another. I think when Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, I think that's what he's talking about. The definition is to make sorrowful. When to grieve the Holy Spirit, the Greek word, what Paul was meaning is to make sorrowful, to affect with sadness, to cause grief, to give offense and pain to somebody. So there's kind of like three aspects to this grief they saw. There's sorrow, there is grief, and there is anguish that's like agony. And that's the kind of pain that God feels. This is a discovery that I made, and this is where I had to make a switch. See, up, up till now, I'm thinking of grieving God or grieving the Holy Spirit has been a bit like law and punishment. You know, there's this kind of law. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. If you do, you'll be punished. But that's not what's happening here at all. It's definitely what Paul meant. Not what he meant in Thessalonians. We talked about quenching the Holy Spirit. And it's not what he meant here about grieving the Holy Spirit. And the, sort of the conversation Jesus had about blaspheming the Holy Spirit something entirely different. What he's talking about here is about caring. It's only when we care that we take notice. It's only when we are aware of the others that we're willing to do something about our behavior. Here is the conversation that Paul's inviting us into. He's saying, you have been brought in through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ to become a new creation, to become a new creature that you have in you, me living with you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, and there is a relationship developed. The Holy Spirit within a person is the presence of the living Christ within that person. So, the grieve, so to grieve the Holy Spirit is to cause sorrow, distress, and emotional pain to Christ himself. 
through his presence in us, Christ is witness to every word, every thought, and every act. And some of these words and acts and thoughts potentially grieve him. The question is, do I care? As opposed to, oh, I better get this sorted out because I'll get punished. Or God, or something awful will happen to me. But this is talking about a relationship with God. This is talking about the presence of God with us. Vulnerable. You just need to stop and dwell on what it meant for God to make his dwelling place in us. I had to ask the question, does God really feel grief? After all, he is all-powerful. He is unchangeable. And yet he reveals himself as feelings, as having feelings and expressing emotions. And for example, in sorry, Genesis chapter 6, 5 to 8, God expresses regret and grief because of the evil actions and thoughts of mankind. Jesus also tells us that his life in the flesh shows what the Father is like. And Jesus felt emotions, indignation, wrath, sorrow, affection, and joy. So there's a sense in which I really had to come to terms that in some senses that God is, we are made in his image and the very things that you and I experience, when I think of that pain that I felt with, with that kind of betrayal and that broken confidence way back there with my group and how that was so painful. And yeah, I wasn't aware at all of the depth of it. But God is absolutely aware of our betrayal, of us doing stuff that grieves him because he's completely present with us. And he is person. The emotions that you and I have, the ability for us to be offended, to be hurt, to be grieved, was in God put in us. Do I care? So we need to ask the question, what grieves God? He can be grieved. Paul is saying, don't grieve God. So what grieves God? And fortunately, if you read Ephesians 4, it's got a heap in there. And I'll just pull out some of the things so you can get an idea. God can be grieved by what we do, what we think, and what, does, and what goes on in our hearts. The verses surrounding verse 30 in chapter 4 offer insights into what matters uh, uh, into insights into matters of the heart, mind, and actions that might grieve the Holy Spirit. So let's look at some of them. Ephesians in verse 24, 29, it asks us to consider looking at the words that we speak. We are advised to stick to talk that builds up, helps, and benefits others, bringing joy and pleasure and grace into their lives. We should assume that corrupt communication that takes the that take that talks the kind of talk that tears people down hurts them and is continually uh, not for their best but for their worst. That this grieves God. 
Scripture is full from beginning to end of warning us about our speech, perhaps because words provide the most tangible window into our hearts. I remember uh, looking at my notes on this, that I'm taking these off. These are, these are thoughts and ideas that a long time ago I read a book by John Stott on this subject. And so I've kind of pulled some of his thoughts out here. And I remember reading this and being absolutely kind of resistant to the idea that the words that I speak, what I say out loud, is actually what is going on inside of me. I really wanted to be able to say, no, no, they are like an explosion of um, badness that happened in this moment, and it just came out because I don't have self-control. But what Paul is saying to us, and we see this in James, and we see this in other epistles too, their place and the Proverbs are full of this. The words that we speak, the words that we say reveal what's in our hearts. And all I can say is that, um, gee, God must be grieved all the time by me. So some examples of this bad communication, that this, this bad talking that we do. Bitterness, anger, fighting, slander, lying. That's what we see in Galatians 4. Words can make known the hidden things in our heart. You might not realize what's lurking there within you unless you make the effort to listen to yourself. Watching your words is the tool God gives us to begin to look into our hearts and to detect attitudes that grieve him. Then we need to work at eliminating them. Here's some other examples from four. God is grieved by deception. A person who says the right thing and does the wrong is not pleasing their creator. A person whose words are smooth and agreeable but lead others into dead-end philosophies that call them to say what is wrong right and what is right wrong are not pleasing God, both grieve him. That's Ephesians 4.25. God is grieved by unresolved dispute, holding on to grudges and, man and maintaining feuds. You may be able to choke down the anger, angry words that you feel and what you want to say, but to please God rather than to grieve him, Go to the next level and forgive. Seek reconciliation and make peace. Ephesians 4.26. We know a bit about this in our Mosaic journey this year as we've considered what it means to be a church, a peace church, that the place of reconciliation. That one of the things that grieves God's, the Holy Spirit here that Paul says in Ephesians is that we have unresolved disputes that we hold onto grudges and we maintain feuding. That just means um, that we have a position and we feel we're right and we're not different to somebody else and so we keep our distance or we take every opportunity we have to try and prove ourselves right or in very subtle ways, of course. I mean, we don't feud openly, do we? We kind of say, um, I have a prayer need. I think we should pray for this. I was just talking to someone the other day and they said they won't tell you what their name is, but you know, I feel that they're quite saying that we need to pray for them. An example of feuding. That's how we deal with the slow burn in us. If we don't do something quick about it, it becomes a root that grows trees. Um, this is in Hebrews it talks about don't let um, 
the root of bitterness take root in you, for whereby many will become defiled. Which really means if you know that there is a, a bitterness or there is resentment or that there is a feud that is going on in your heart and you feel you're hiding it or keeping in control, you need to know it's a root, it will sprout, and it will develop fruit. The fruit won't be seen for a while, but when the fruit does come, you say, where did that come from? How did that happen? How did I become this person? It's because we never took notice when the root began. It's not dormant. Unresolved God, grudges and, f- and feuds grieve the Holy Spirit that's within us. His constant exhortation is to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us and be reconciled with each other and make peace. I ran out of time to cover God grieves over our God, the Holy Spirit is grieved over our greed and our laziness, which is something I really want to talk about, but my timer says I can't. God grieves by the hardness of our hearts. All these things can be found in Ephesians 4. These are the things that grieve God. And I have to keep asking my question do I care? Something extraordinary about God is that even though he is grieved, I cause him sorrow and grief and anguish and agony. He sticks with me. And I've made the mistake as an immature person to think that it's okay for that to keep on being like that. There's got to be time when God needs to get firm with me and saying, for goodness sake, grow up. Become an adult. You're in relationship with me. You understand me. You know me. You know that I've invited you into a journey of love and trust and reconciliation which will bring peace to your life you're not experiencing this peace, guess who's holding the button for that to happen? Who's holding the mechanism for that to happen? It's you. Stay in your immaturity. Stay, don't care what you do, grieves God. You'll keep living in this place of immaturity, of brokenness and lack of peace in your life. That's why it matters to God. Not because he's offended or because he's pissed off. Because he genuinely desires our peace. That's in chapter 4. He wants us to grow up in every way into the fullness of Jesus. Not only us as individuals, but us as a group. And not just for ourselves, but for the world to know that Jesus is the one who brings peace into the world in no other way except through this process of reconciliation, this process of being in relationship with God where we learn how to walk with him in a way that doesn't grieve him. Instead, speak. this is what, why God is grieved. Instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become even more, we will grow in every respect. Sorry, instead of speaking the truth in love, 
we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of God who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joins and held together and every supporting limb grows and builds itself up in love as we are part of the work that he is doing. That's what God wants. That's why he spoke through Paul and says, tell him not to grieve the Holy Spirit because there's something good I need, want to give. So I want to um, have an opportunity now for us to, um, to reflect on this. I'm not going to have a discussion or get to talk to each other. I really think um, if I've been able to provoke something in you that it, it would need some time to, of quietness and of reflection. Um, I guess the writers here have already got their pads and pens. <laughs> um, you may want to write some things, or you may just want to sit in quietness and just allow God to speak to you. You may want to go over here to the, um, the, the prayer station um, and, um, and engage in just something physical to just speak to God. But I encourage you to, um, have we got the words up? Spend time reflecting that. I want you to kind of remember the grace of God. Remember his goodness. Remember the journey that he's begun to bring us back to himself, to reconcile us to him. Lay yourself to remember that and why and what he hoped to achieve. And then ask you the question, do you care? And if not, find out why not. Or begin your journey of finding out why not. I have to tell you, I found out I didn't care in the way that I wanted to. And I explained a little bit to you just before that. It's because I let myself off the hook to say, God's not going to dump on me. God's not going to punish me. I kind of, that's good. But I had to go and go and say, why don't I care in the way I want to care? And I needed to confess that to God. And then confession also involved telling somebody else for me. Repent is just the act of saying, I'm going to change. Recalibrating is to find out the change that you want to make. And most of all, allow your hearts to be filled with the joy of where this will take you. Let me pray, and then you just continue on praying. Holy Spirit, we sit here tonight aware of your presence but hardly comprehending how your presence is so full and you're in this moment with us all the time. There is not a time that you go to sleep, go away. You're here. Every word I say, every thought, that I have, every action that I do, you see it all and it impacts you. I can hardly comprehend that. Yes, as we've been looking at your word tonight, we see that there's something of that going on that we need to grow up and understand more. Help us in our time reflection now, Holy Spirit, to hear your voice, to hear what it is that you want to say to every single one of us for where we're at. Lead us to a place where we can rejoice of your presence in us. Just continue reflecting and praying for a while.